This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest. Good day. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. While the coronavirus pandemic has put much of the country on hold, court cases are advancing involving people of faith. Recently, the abortion industry suffered a major defeat in its civil case against undercover journalist David Daleiden, who exposed their marketing of aborted baby body parts for profit. Peter Breen of the Thomas More Society was one of the attorneys involved in this case, and he's my guest today on World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. A U.S. appeals court ruled yesterday that Texas could enforce limits on the ability of women to obtain abortions as part of the state's policy, requiring postponement of non-urgent medical procedures during the coronavirus pandemic. A three-judge panel of the New Orleans-based Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on a two-to-one vote threw out a federal judge's order last week that had blocked the state's action. The appeals court had earlier put the district judge's ruling on hold. The appeals court action allows state officials to continue enforcing restrictions that were part of an emergency order issued by the state's Republican governor, Greg Abbott. The state says that abortion providers are covered under a provision requiring postponement of non-urgent medical procedures as healthcare providers focus on battling COVID-19. Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys, representing pro-life faith communities and leaders, filed a friend of the court brief in federal district court late Monday, supporting the Oklahoma governor's executive order that suspends all elective surgeries, including elective abortions, until April the 30th to help reduce the spread of COVID-19. Governor J. Kevin Stitt's order exempts non-elective abortions, but some abortionists in the state demanded that he carve out a special exception for elective abortions while other elective surgeries are put on hold. Monday afternoon, the court issued a temporary restraining order that allows the abortions to continue in only some circumstances through April the 20th. An LGBT activist shouted his hatred for evangelical Christians as he was led away by police in Central Park Sunday afternoon. 69-year-old professional activist William Talon was arrested at the COVID-19 field hospital set up in New York's iconic Central Park by Samaritan's Purse, an international evangelical disaster relief organization. Talon, who's made a career mocking Christian clergymen, was in character as Revenant Billy. He was sporting a blonde buffant hairdo, shocking pink suit, and a clerical collar as he planted an LGBT rainbow flag outside the 68-bed hospital. He was led away by six officers. Talon shouted his contempt for Christian organizations, saying that they themselves were the virus. San Francisco police during the weekend issued a citation to an 86-year-old pro-life activist dropping leaflets in front of Planned Parenthood for violating the shelter-in-place order. 86-year-old Ronald Konoposky became the first person to receive a citation from the San Francisco police for violating the stay-at-home order. Konoposky was exercising his First Amendment rights by protesting Planned Parenthood, but the police said that the First Amendment rights need to take a back seat because of the coronavirus pandemic. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County. 
inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Well, the coronavirus has got a lot of us at home, and a lot of things in the country have uh, sort of stopped. But not KFUO, not God's work, and not the legal system either. In fact, we had a, a really remarkable court case that just happened in uh, the West Coast with a federal, a federal uh, district court, pardon me, a federal appeals court ruling on the case of the Planned Parenthood attempt to silence David Delane, the uh, undercover journalist who exposed the horrible marketing of aborted baby body parts for profit. One of the people, uh, one of the groups handling this has been the Thomas More Society, and my guest today is Mr. Peter Breen, who is counsel and senior vice president for the the, uh, Thomas More Society. Peter, welcome to the show again. Hey, thanks for having me, Kit. Hey, anytime. I know that you're uh, broadcasting from your home as well, and and, uh, everything has been stopped. But, you know, it's kind of funny because things are still moving forward. Uh, You know, we're still doing our programming. Uh, I know that you're still doing your hard work, and things are moving apace despite this this pandemic. What is important about this ruling here that that really struck me? This is something that happened, again, with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Uh, which had reversed in part a district court ruling that had uh, that had concealed identifying information in a public document. Now, what was that about? Well, and this was uh, again David Delayden, who had made the incredible videos about Planned Parenthood trafficking in uh, aborted children's body parts and organs. He was as a follow up to his when he released his videos. He started doing freedom of information requests across the country to get the details where tax dollars are being used in the trafficking of fetal organs and parts. And it turns out the University of Washington has a clearinghouse for baby parts, taxpayer funded, including some federal tax dollars. And so David had filed a freedom of information request to that university. And the response was it was outrageous. Planned Parenthood and others suing to have heavy redactions done, slow up the process so David couldn't do his research. Now, when this case came to us, they had filed for a a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction in the federal district court in Seattle. I looked at the case, thought it was absolutely frivolous until the district court entered the preliminary injunction. And so we have been fighting this ever since. We've gone up to the Ninth Circuit now twice. We went up the first time, and they reversed the district court, said, explain yourself. This second time, uh, the district court went back. They entered the exact same order and, and, and in detail you know, laid out all of these, uh, these points as to why public documents should be heavily redacted. Again, first case of its type in, in the country that we know of uh, that a court has decided in this way. Well, we went back to the Ninth Circuit. And we got a partial victory, but it was a partial victory 
that, that really highlighted our primary claim, which is if you want to try somehow to, to put redactions into government documents that otherwise would be released under Washington state law, uh, the, the, the showing has to be so particular and it's got to be laden with facts. Uh, and they haven't done any of that, and nor can they. So we are, we were glad to see this decision. This would mean that, you, well, we're, we're still uh, looking about what to do next. We were actually thinking of going to the entire Ninth Circuit to try to get a full victory and just say, throw this whole case out. But if we do have to go back to the district court, uh, we will now be pressing hard on the fact that these, uh, you know, these they've, they've gone in as John and Jane Doe's. We have no idea who they are other than that they are described as abortion workers. Uh, and so we would go back to the district court and really press home this point that government documents, public documents, need to stay public in order for the people to be able to govern themselves. Well, that's the thing that really struck me. And as a journalist, I, I deal a lot with public documents, everything from building permits to uh, court transcripts. And I had never heard of a case where a public document had to be withheld like this. It, it, well, and, and there are cases, so that the classic case was, uh, it was in the NAACP. So, you know, the, uh, back in the 50s, the state of Alabama tried to get their membership list so they could harass the members. And so that's what you're talking about in terms of the extremely limited uh, uh, sorts of things. You know, the government can't take your membership list. And even then, this is somewhat putting it on, on its head, where in a government document where there happens to be uh, individuals whose names are listed, that somehow the government under the Constitution is forced to redact these names. Uh, again, we know of no case in the country where it's ever actually held up, and certainly not one like this, where the names that they want to have redacted are doing business with the government. So they are... Uh, they're, you know, this is about uh, the invoicing for the sale of fetal parts. Uh, it's about the, just making the arrangements for trafficking back and forth, uh, processing and that sort of a thing. It's a gruesome business, but it's the sort of thing, if you want to do business with a government, even this, again, just macabre uh, uh, industry, you, you, you know, the taxpayers have to know where their money's going and how it's being used. And so that's why we are... We're confident that at some point we're going to win, but holy Toledo, if we don't, this has implications for all of society. So, so think of it this way. Their, their claim on the other side is that because there's a lot of controversy, it could cause people to be harassed if their names come out. So in other words, the more controversy that something the government is doing, uh, most of us would say, well, that's more reason for the public to see it and to understand it. The argument from Planned Parenthood and its abortion workers is the more controversy means the more uh, you know, concealment. Uh, so, again, it puts the whole point of open government on its head. It really did. And, you know, for example, the NAACP case that you cited, we weren't talking about any taxpayer dollars there. That was simply people who were donating their own money to a private organization. Yet here we're actually talking about a public, a public source utilizing taxpayer dollars. So I, well, I just don't. And, and in, in those, yeah. <laughs> what is this in the classic cases, uh, you know, the government wants the list, or or they they've compelled someone to give them a list. I, and I, I don't mean to be uh, 
Uh, Flip, one of the other cases involves, uh, uh, call it exotic dancers, who have to get licenses. And so someone wanted the names of all of the exotic dancers. So uh, obviously the government compelled them to give their names over, and it it could really cause harm to people, uh, you know, in that situation. So the really odd, off-the-wall situations uh, are, are the very few times this has been allowed. Not when we're talking about buying and selling a, a you know, the, again, not, not to, um, you know, to some extent it is, it is, they're using these aborted body parts for research purposes. And so you're sitting there going, well, well, you don't, you don't sit there and shield people's invoices for other uh, materials that they are you know, transferring back and forth for research purposes. Uh, why in the world would you now think you can do it here? Uh, and so again, th- this is one of those, those things that, uh, if we are to, if we lose this case, uh, anything of any controversy where you've got the government involved and individuals' names are in the records, you could see a total concealment because this is a the case is a federal case under the federal constitution, and so that ruling could apply across the country if we're not successful. What do you think the odds are that you will succeed in this? I know that's probably a loaded question. You really can't call for odds on something like this. But one thing I did note that uh, that had uh, that gave me some hope was the fact that this came down through the Ninth Circuit, which traditionally has not been friendly to uh, pro-life organizations. <clears throat> well, it, and it, it um, you know, we've had a rough go of it in the district court. So that is the, the, the trial court in this case. But now with the Ninth Circuit having spoken twice, so not just the first time when they reversed the district court, uh, now to, to do it again and to say very specifically, you know, this, the, the, what you're trying to do. So if you want to try to apply this legal theory in this absolutely new way, you need particularized evidence. It's got to be individual. You've got to somehow show, you know, show your work, uh, at, you know, as to why, first off, they're doing First Amendment activity. And then somehow how that, uh, you know, the revelation of the First Amendment activity is going to lead to some direct harm for these folks. But here's the thing. When you're doing First Amendment activity, if you're doing it to the government, well, obviously, you want everyone to know you're doing it. You know, you want the government to change its ways, you're petitioning the government, what have you. Uh, and here, uh, again, that, that sort of work, you never, you never thought uh, when you were doing business with the government that somehow you could do it in secret. Um, you know, that, that is uh, – it's just – again, it puts the whole idea of a representative democracy – and a, and a democracy where, where the citizenry needs to be informed about what the government is doing in order to rule that government, in order to control that government, um, you know, all of it. It puts all of it on its head. Where does it go from here? Well, you know, we are we, – we had – so we would – normally you'd just go right back down and you we've got some discovery to do. So – uh, the other side is looking for an injunction. The injunction would need to be in the public interest. So they would have to prove that it's in the public interest to, in, to put these heavy redactions on these documents. Uh, and, uh, you know, from our perspective, there's no way they can do that. We would do discovery on that, though, and say, OK, well, is it really not in the public interest for the public to, uh, to have more revelation about what's going on with fetal tissue trafficking, uh, parts and, and organs of aborted babies? Uh, we think that's just ludicrous on its face. But we we are looking right now, because this issue is so important and because the uh, this case is being watched across the country, we are actually looking at rehearing en banc. That's where you, that's where you ask the entire Ninth Circuit 
to take a look at the case and and because of its importance, uh, because this precedent, if it if it stands, and it's already been cited in one or two other cases, uh, but if it stands. Uh, this district court decision, uh, we, we just it shouldn't be able to survive for one minute more than it's than it has so far. Uh, and so that is that's part of our thought, our thinking here. This is so important. It needs to be dealt with immediately. And the case really needs to be thrown out. Well, this this really is just part of the uh, broader attack on uh, on people like David Elaine. Uh, and I was uh, I think. Uh, frankly, I was appalled to see the uh, the extent that government was involved in trying to silence this guy. Uh, everything from the attorney general, both, both attorney generals in the state of California, uh, to, of course, working hand in glove with the Planned Parenthood people and even having judges involved in Planned Parenthood making rulings. This, uh, this can't be right. And, and certainly in, in any abortion case, you always have the concern that there is a finger on the scale of justice, that it is not evenly balanced. But in our series of cases, you have seen such coordination between, it was first Attorney General, California Attorney General Kamala Harris, who then has now become a senator, was a, you know, was even a presidential candidate. Now her successor, Javier Becerra, who was also a very high-ranking Democratic official, who on, a, on election night, uh, when he won his election, he stood in front of a Planned Parenthood banner and thanked Planned Parenthood for you know, pretty much funding his campaign. When you see all of that and then the fact they were meeting with the Planned Parenthood heads as they're prosecuting David, as, as they're coordinating litigation against David, you know, it, it really does diminish your, uh, your belief in the, in the neutrality of, of the system. Our, our law enforcers are supposed to enforce the laws as written neutrally, fairly. Everyone's supposed to be equal and treated equally. And certainly David Daleiden has not been treated equally as against all of the, all the rest of the citizens uh, in the state of California, especially those you know, who are everybody who's for Planned Parenthood gets, you know, they get whatever they want. Anybody who's against, especially when they're active against Planned Parenthood, people like David Daleiden, they get the book thrown at them. They're coordinated attacks on them. They even changed laws in California to outlaw what David was doing even more. Uh, than what they uh, had previously. So all of that together has been so difficult. But I would say this, we are slowly but surely chipping away, chipping away, winning victories here or there, small victories. And so that, that is, that's been the fight of pro-life law you know, for, for the last almost 50 years. You know, we, we take a punch, but then we, when we deliver a few of our own and we, do, uh, you know, we just continue and continue and continue faithfully and uh, Again, we are very hopeful for the final victory on all of these cases. Uh, you know, again, it's going to take us a little while longer. Well, one of the cases I've been following is not yours. It's one done by Alliance Defending Freedom uh, that shows just how devious this uh, fight can be. In the city of Pittsburgh, uh, they put a city ordinance saying that uh, you couldn't demonstrate in front of a medical in front of a medical facility, and they had uh, that had these uh, painted lines in front of them, and yet they only put the lines in front of two abortion clinics. And that that and that whole series of cases, you're sitting there going, "How is it that we in in you know, the 21st century are still fighting over the fact that you should be able to go on a public sidewalk and leaflet, speak to people, and exercise your First Amendment rights?" I mean, we we even have a case out of Chicago. 
where the city of Chicago was preventing it. They had something called a bubble zone law. And that case is currently in front of the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court right now. We are waiting for a decision that's been on hold um, at, due to some other cases uh, pending as well. It, this, is, this is something that, again, in any other context, any other type of issue, uh, the courts would have thrown these, you know, thrown these laws out, thrown out uh, the attempts by some to, to restrict First Amendment free speech rights, but only because it's abortion have these uh, lawsuits and, and uh, you know, kind of these regulations uh, been able to continue. Uh, so this is it's something, again, I, we, we just have to keep fighting it. And if anything, I mean, you know, every time we can, uh, we can establish some good regulation that, that allows more uh, visibility of the abortion industry, allows people more opportunity to get information, you know, alternatives to abortion, we are saving lives, and we are putting a crimp in Planned Parenthood's business. Uh, and, and really, you know, we're, we're pushing back this whole culture of death, which has been called uh, you know, very, very uh, eloquently by, by many. And you know, we just have to keep fighting it right now. But, boy, um, you know, and it, I will say this. You know, in the midst of this pandemic, the one thing that you've seen is this commitment by a bunch of people who you'd never heard this from saying every life is sacred, every life has dignity. And these, I mean, look, Governor Cuomo out of New York is the guy who lit up uh, uh, his, uh, you know, his buildings pink when they passed a third trimester late term abortion law. And now he's the guy saying that he wants everyone saved from this uh, this coronavirus pandemic. And so I'm saying, well, his sentiment is good. And if we can keep hold of it and, uh, you know, we, we don't have to convert him. But if we can convert a few other folks and show the dignity and worth of every human being. I, that's going to be a net positive for the long term for the life movement. Something else that occurs to me is looking at the changes that we have undergone as a society during this pandemic, just in the short term. Uh, what are we going to see when we get on the other side of this? I'm just curious myself. I, I, I don't think things will ever return to what they were. It's going to be interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? I will tell you, the, 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 there are two strains here, and, and we can go one way and really come out better, or we can go another way, and I'm seeing, uh, and we could be very, very much to the worst. So, so you're seeing the positive strain is you're seeing this concern for others, human dignity, uh, the desire to help your neighbors and friends and, and the senior citizens and, and coming together and the togetherness and all of that. That is a positive. If we can lean into that, if that's how we come out of this crisis, we are going to be in great shape going forward. However, there is a part, this sentiment of people tattling on their neighbors or, uh, you know, I saw a young lady who was 19 years old who was pulled over and given a ticket because for driving during this time. So doing no harm to anyone. Uh, this business of this nanny state business and, and the surveillance state. If we go that way, and then the suspicion and the fear, if we go that way, we have a real problem. So we have to really reject that fear and suspicion, and we've really got to try to embrace the community feel that we've had, you know, the, the togetherness, um, uh, the, the shared suffering. Uh, if that becomes our, 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 our way of, of caring for one another, we are going to be stronger out of this. Uh, our not-for-profit entities will actually be better coming out of this because people are going to be more generous and they're going to want to get out and help. 
Uh, so again, I, I would urge everybody just try to try to lean into that because I know we're all afraid. We've got these nagging doubts and fears in the backs of our minds, but let's try to hold on to the positive community spirit that we've also seen engendered uh, during this crisis. Well, you're right. There is a danger in there. I know, for example, the mayor of Los Angeles has actually put out a call for people to spy on the neighbors and call and call in. Uh, state of Delaware has just, uh, the governor there has just now authorized the highway patrol in that state to stop vehicles without a state license plates. It, you know, and, and here's the other thing, too. I, so we've, we've even got clients who are, they are still out uh, praying, socially distant, you know, and then they're doing it and it's outdoor and everything. So it's, it's safe and it's in accord with these executive orders, but they're getting harassed by some local officers because they're saying, well, no, 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 no one can be out. And you're sitting there going, well, if the abortion clinic could be open, well, why can't we be offering uh, you know, help to folks, you know, again, socially distant, what have you. And so I, I do look at it and go, you know, there is this, for some, I guess, you know, the fear and, and the uncertainty are leading to a very control-minded and tattle on your neighbors and, and, and very heavy-handed uh, thing. I, I, I hope we reject that soon, both during this crisis and when we come out of it, that, you know, that, that is not us. That's not, that's not, and it has never been the American way. Uh, we have always been, again, much more, you know, the, the, we, we help one another, but we do it voluntarily, and we do not, we do not spy on our neighbors uh, in, in a negative way. We, we, you know, we watch after our neighbor's kiddos, so they're, they're doing something wrong, you make sure they don't, you know, they don't do that, but, but we don't sit there and, uh, you know, tattling and calling the police on people who are, who are not doing anything wrong. That just, again, that's outrageous. Indeed it is. Uh, so let's keep our fingers crossed and see what's going to happen in the future because uh, we, are being, we are being challenged. But inside of every challenge is an yeah. opportunity, and let's hope that this is one. Peter, I want to thank you so much for appearing on the program and shedding light on this. And we've got a lot to talk about that will be coming up in the future, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again. It's it's great to be with you, Kip. And again, we're all in this together, and we're going to get to the other side of this very soon. It just... Uh, We've got to stick together until we do. Amen to that. Thank you very much, Peter Breen of the Thomas More Society. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.